Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. This is Marcy, and I will be hosting another Q&A episode today. With me, as always, I have my lovely ladies, Kim and Katie. How are you? Hi, Mars. Doing well. Hey, Mars. Good. How are you doing? I am hanging in. So it sounds like you guys have much more of an exciting life than I do over here. So let's chat about it. Uh, We're going to carry on from last week's conversation. Kim, I am so sorry, but the saga continues. Why don't you tell the listeners about it? Was my car attacked a second time? No, no, no. It it was attacked the first time. It's so crazy. Like I literally couldn't believe it. It The fact that it was attacked again is just unbelievable. Like squirrels are just out to get me is how I feel. It's funny. I do have people messaging me because I'm on my stories talking about these squirrels and how much money I'm spending. And like, I cleaned my garage for an entire day. And I've had multiple people defending the squirrels to me. They're like, you should read this book about squirrels. Squirrels aren't so bad. I'm like, look lady, I've never had a problem with squirrels in my life. They're cute, but they are literally like draining me dry of cash. It's super expensive when they eat your wiring twice in two weeks. I feel justified in being mad at the squirrel. Absolutely. It's like, well, why don't you come over and deal with it and pay the money? And then you tell me about how great squirrels are. <laughs> I know. So it's been a lot of work, a lot of effort, but I did feel very, um, I felt very accomplished doing that kind of big physical task, but cleaning out my garage was a monster of a task. We have a big garage and three of the five of us, not me, are pack rats. And it luckily nobody else could help me that day for very valid reasons. And it was actually better because I was just throwing crap out. <laughs> I was yeah. just like toss, toss, toss. Yeah, there is something so fulfilling about about decluttering, isn't there? I mean, yes. just like I, I love even just doing finding a couple things a day, like. I'm at the point with my children who are um, nine, 11 and 12, where if I see something on the floor that doesn't look age appropriate anymore into the trash, it goes (laughs) and, and they would, they would really be unhappy to know that. And sometimes they find things in the trash and ask me why I threw away this pink Lego. And it's because it's been sitting on the floor in the toy room. And I just haven't walked in the toy room for two and a half years and (laughs) it's time. Like it's just, so even little bits of of purging feel great, but oh man, to clean out a room like that, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, no, it really does. And there's a great book called Outer Order, Inner Calm, and it's by Gretchen Rubin mm-hmm. and very short read, but I would highly recommend it. And it makes so much sense, but whenever you're just around like so much chaos, it really does impact your, I think your mental and physical well-being. So you just kind of feel more worked up, maybe a little bit agitated, but I also think you don't really understand it until Mm -hmm. you get the stuff out. Yes. Yeah. It's like, why? So there's another woman, her name is Virginia Kerr and she's on Instagram. She has a fascinating account, um, all about video tips. So yeah, I, I follow her. Yeah. She has a really great podcast as well. And she was talking about being in a content rut for a little bit. And she's like, you know, it happens. And I'm sure ladies, like you've gone through it too. Like I've gone through it. I was kind of in one about a month ago. I think part of it was because I had got hit with COVID and I was just like, not my, my brain power was just not there. Um, but I listened to her podcast. And basically the thing that she said is I went through my house and purged and decluttered everything. And it's just like, I created more brain space. And I literally mm-hmm. just put up a post today about how to create more mental space to reach your goals. And it's like, 
get rid or like kind of try to alleviate that what I call cognitive load. So mm -hmm. that can be all the things on our to-do list that we haven't gotten done. Like I was saying to you, Kim, oh, I had my new coffee table in my room for two months that I hadn't put together. And I was just like looking at it. And now that it's done, I'm like, ah, oh, I feel so much better. Um, mm -hmm. Even just like writing that a to-do list can really help with that too. But I think purging is one of the best ways. And it's funny because I've been in this place now for a year and I made a deal with myself when I moved in and I was unpacking, like, I am going to get rid of everything that I do not use. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And I really like have not accumulated more stuff since I've moved in. But about a month ago, I decided to declutter and to purge again. And I realized like there was still so much stuff that I was holding on to. So it's like, you can just keep going and keep going. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I think certain people that. feel like it doesn't bother them. And I'm sure there's definitely a range of like, how bothered sure. we are by clutter. But I think that even some people who aren't aware that clutter bothers them, it's like this low level energy that they mm. don't realize is being like sucked out of them all the time with like the piles of stuff and having to deal with it. I get so much pleasure out of throwing away piles and moving piles and organizing piles. Like the other day, I literally, I kept a box one time. I don't do this, but it was this beautiful box. Some soap came in and I kept it because my daughter's like, it's pretty. She's one of the pack rats. I'm like, it is pretty. I'll keep it. It's been sitting in my dining room, like waiting for me to figure out something to do with it since the beginning of the summer. And finally, the other day, I'm like, what am I ever going to, it literally has the name of the soap company on the back. Mm -hmm. It is a pretty box, but what am I going to use it for? So I threw it out and I immediately felt better. Yeah. So, That's <laughs> a great example. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, so Katie, you are going to enlighten us with, um, <laughs> yes, I, I hope you don't mind Kim, because I know uh, spiritual energy and the woo woo isn't necessarily your lane. Yeah, but and I'm interested in it. I'm interested <laughs> in enough. Like when I'm around people who it is their lane, enlighten me. Well, I have to say when I saw that the squirrels got you not once, but twice immediately, my antenna went up and I was like, what is squirrel energy? And what is it trying to tell Kim? And I know a lot of listeners are probably going to be like, Okay, Katie, squirrel energy, like <laughs> hang with us for just a second, because maybe you believe this, or maybe it's just fun. Like, you know, you'd read a horoscope in the newspaper and you can like smile at it. So take, take what you like, leave what you don't with all of this. But I do believe that, um, there's energy and signs all around us. And when something happens that feels so crazy or like a coincidence, I call that alignment. Um, it's, it's telling us something it's there for a reason. So Kim, I looked up squirrel energy for you and I'm going to give this a little read and you'll have to let me know if any of this resonates at all. People in a variety of cultures see squirrels meaning and symbolism tied to lightheartedness and pure fun watching squirrels antics. It's easy to see why this playful demeanor has a more sensible side. However, that pragmatically looks at life as a result, squirrel hides bits of food in various locations for the barren winter months on a human level. This represents long-term planning, like finding a good life insurance policy or updating your will. This preparation, however, shouldn't go overboard. Even the diligent squirrel only finds a small portion of the nuts they hide in the wild, but since they are buried away, this food often turns into plants and trees come spring. And I know listeners, you were not listening to our conversation before we started recording. And Marcy, I don't even think you were on yet, but Kim, tell me what you think of this. It's really interesting because I was, Katie, that's really interesting because I was just telling Katie that a big goal of mine for years now has been to like streamline my life and have this life of ease. And so I got away from one-on-one -on -one coaching and I thought it was going to open this big like portal of time, but I always find great ways to fill my time. And I feel like 
and I was telling Katie, I have this project coming up. I'm releasing something new and exciting come January. And it does feel like a lot right now. And I don't want things to feel like a lot, but Katie's like, it's going to bring so many benefits to you. Like you're really setting yourself up for future success with this. And so I really, I like that. I guess I, the squirrels are coming into my life to tell me I'm on the right track. Is that what you're saying? I think so. And, and I, I mean, I, I definitely kind of hooked on this preparation, however, shouldn't go overboard because you and I talked about how you have a tendency to like go in and go all in and then find the immediate next thing. Right. Yes. So maybe this is a sign like, like the squirrel do your business and then be a little playful on the other side. Yeah. That's how I, I would like interpret it. it. Pretty I cool. like it. I'm very interested in this. Okay. I'm learning from the squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can find, I mean, if anyone's interested in, you can certainly Google, but the, the book I like, the Oracle cards I like are the wild unknown spirit animal guidebook. That's what I, my daughters enjoy. We really feel connected to animals a lot. And so we find a lot of, of signs in nature. And so the animals, animal Oracle cards make sense for us. And, you know, it's a good time. We enjoy it. Okay, Katie, uh, I'm curious because one of my signs for a long time, like the sign that I'm on the right path is a hummingbird. And I see them all over the place. And mm. it used to be that thing where, oh, I would see them when I was at my parents' house because they have a hummingbird feeder. I'm like, I don't really think that counts. But now I see them all the time, just kind of like around my complex where there is not a feeder in sight. So yeah. I would love to have you look up hummingbirds and you don't have to do it now, but I, I can, I can, if anyone else sees hummingbirds, I can rattle it off. This will just take a couple of minutes if you ladies want me to do it or I'll, Let's or do we it. Can. why don't you, why don't you look it up? But I also, because we forgot to wish Kim a very happy birthday. Yes. Oh, thanks. So, and tell us a little bit because I, you have something really cool that you are trying to do this 52nd year, which is try 52 new things. Is that correct? Yes. 52 new things. I'm really excited about this. Um, you know, just as I was thinking about my year and I was thinking like, wow, I did some really cool stuff this year. And, you know, people think as you get older, you're kind of like what, like winding down your life. We get set in our ways. You just do the same old, same old. Like, and I know older couples who have very set routines. They get up every morning and they go to McDonald's for their diet Coke. And then they like go for their walk and all this stuff. And like, I'm not, I'd like there, I do find, um, I do find like peace and comfort in routine, but I also don't want to just settle into my life. 52 is not that old, even though, you know, historically, like if you look back at what a 52 year old was back when I was a kid, it did seem really old. I have a lot I want to do. And so I'm trying to like approach this from a very proactive, like let's like force myself to try new things. And I'm really excited about it. Like little tiny new things. Like did you realize I've never tried eggplant in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I don't know why never okay. tried eggplant. So I'm going to like make some recipe with eggplant. And then I'm going to try, like, I want one of the uh, things that came up multiple times uh, when I asked for suggestions was snowshoeing. And I'm like, Oh, I've actually, I've always been kind of interested in that. And so it's like a whole list of things, big things, little things to really like help push myself to do new things, keep my brain fresh, keep my like life exciting. I love, I love it. And has there been anything that you have tried so far? Uh, well, I just had my animal Oracle card read. <laughs> okay. Add it to the list. That's number one. No. Um, well, you know, I just decided this my birthday was Friday and I was at war with the squirrels all weekend. So I haven't had too much time to do too much time other than just I had a really great conversation with my family about all of their ideas. It was a really fun birthday night. We spent like the entire meal talking about possibilities. Um, and so I've really just been kind of exploring possibilities and creating a list. 
but I'm just going to get moving on it here a little bit at a time. Amazing. Love it. Yeah. Katie, any, uh, any word on the hummingbirds? I can write, I can read it off Mars. I would love to hear. So the hummingbird is positive, enthusiastic, spiritually resourceful inside the tiny hummingbird resides an endless well of energy and positivity. The hummingbird's secret is that it has learned where to gather nectar and it returns to these sources daily for nourishment and rejuvenation. The sacred elixir springs from many sources but usually involves nature, creativity, and exploring spirituality. Follow the way of the hummingbird and you cannot go wrong. Every droplet of life becomes sweet, every moment worth savoring. Marcy, when you're in balance, you are smart, curious, and love to learn. When you are out of balance, you are pushy, insistent, and sharp. What brings you back into balance is taking a class or trying something new. Oh, this is fascinating because I I think you nailed it, especially with the spirituality and, you know, the doing things that kind of bring you joy and make you feel at peace. That's definitely me. You know, I do all of the, the spiritual and just well-being things. Mm -hmm. I don't know about if I'm out of balance and I'm pushy. I do not think I'm a pushy person. I actually hate conflict and confrontation. So that's the antithesis of that, but Mm -hmm. interesting nonetheless. Um, and what was the last, oh, I know. So I said that my, I made a post about it on second day of October, that my intentions for the month were going to be not necessarily like get out of my comfort zone, but kind of to like Kim's point to try new things. So like Mm. a hobby or something like that, because I am just in a freaking rut. All I do is work. Let's be honest. Mm. And you know, like, yes, that's what you do. You go back to the same sources for, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Returning. To the same thing. Yeah. Right. Which do like nourish me and bring me joy and all of that. But I do feel like I've gotten a little bit just comfortable in that. Mm-hmm. So I said, yeah, I want to try something new, whether it's a hobby. And I was thinking like, oh, I'm going to play pickleball with my mom, or I'm going to like get back to doing puzzles. I love to do puzzles, but I would mm-hmm. say to myself, like, I don't have the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's really just an excuse, but yeah. Cause you're literally time. never all of a sudden going to be like, I have so much time this week. I'm going to puzzle. Like you're just no, going to no. have to sit down and be like Tuesday night at seven o'clock, I'm going to work on my puzzle. Right. Like it's just never going to appear. Yeah. And I'm, I've been trying to spend more time with my family because they only live five minutes away. And, you know, I've just come to this realization lady or lady lately that, you know, they are getting older and I do not want that time to pass me by. So I have been like watching a show every night with them right now. We are watching Dahmer. Fascinating. Oh God, really? Oh yeah. My mom, my dad's like, nope, I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. My kids have watched it. No, thank you. Oh, no way. Ladies, we lived through that in real time on the news. I do not need that again. Oh, Mm -hmm. see, and I I didn't. Like, I was alive, but I think I was only seven years old when that was happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I love anything that is a true story. I'm really into kind of crime investigation. I've always said if I could go back and do it all over again, I would do something in, like, forensics or Mm -hmm. criminal justice, that kind of thing. Um, But, yeah, maybe I can do the puzzle while I'm watching the show kind of kill one stone, you know? Totally. So anyway. Um, okay. Katie, we have, we should get into it, Mars. We should should get into the questions. I feel like. (laughs) Oh, okay. I was just going to say really quick, Katie, because I think you have an exciting announcement that I didn't even realize until I opened the email. So you and, um, Monique. Monique. Thank you. Bar in a jar. Uh, that's like what I call her. I know. Um, I do. Yeah, I and I don't know if anyone else knows what I'm talking about when I say Monique, because she, I, I, her identity is Coco Bar in a Jar on Instagram. True. Yeah. 
So we have had her on the podcast, but you guys are collaborating, correct? Yes. And actually, as of right before we started to record, we are almost sold out of the of the bundle. So we created a favorites bundle, uh, which were my favorite pumpkin oat bar flavors and my favorite cocoa bar in a jar flavors. And if anyone else, you know, was curious and wanted to try them together, uh, the way I sort of enjoy them myself every day, they could do it by purchasing the two together at a discount. And then not only was there a discounted price, but then there was only shipping, like one flat rate shipping instead of, you know, you know, if you order shipping, if you order anything today, shipping is, is kind of a nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. So to not have to do like multiple, multiple payments for shipping, we thought was cool too. So um, I don't, by the time we post this, I don't know how many, if any will be left. I think there were five left when we started recording. Oh, so congratulations. That's Thanks. incredible. Thank what you so idea. much. And, yeah, and real, real quick before we move on. So what are your favorite flavors? Uh, the iced oatmeal cookie from Cocoa Bar in a Jar and the peanut butter cup are just okay. like top notch. And I don't know, I know you ladies have tried them both. And Mars, I think only one of them were, you have not tried the peanut butter because right. yeah, but the other with iced oatmeal is it's basically crack. It's Absolutely. so good. I yeah. love the, I love the peanut butter, but my new favorite is the one with the crunchies in it. The salt, oh, the, the caramel, salt caramel crunch. Yes. Oh, that's my favorite. Oh, okay. I love anything that has crunchy stuff in it. Okay. You, I gotta you might that. be able to eat that one, Mars, because it's quinoa flakes, not. Oh yeah. Not like rice based or anything. Well, like I can that. do rice. Um, okay. yeah, I'll check it out when we're off air, but anyway, moving on, but Katie, yeah. congratulations. So Thank you. Yes. Um, let's get into the questions. So we are doing round two of the listener Q and a, and then next week we are going to wrap it up with round three. So last one was more talking about the emotional eating side of things, that kind of thing. And then this week we're going to focus more on fitness. So let's dive in. Hold on. Let me look at the questions here. So quick one is if you injure one side of your body, should you still work out the other one? So specifically, if you strain your quad and your program has unilateral work, do you still train the other side? Absolutely. Yeah. That's wholly in your court. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. There's zero reason not to do that. One mentally, it helps to stay in the game, right? We don't want to have the idea of like, now I can't do anything because I have, you know, one part of my body that's strained. So for sure you should continue working out. And there is research to support the idea that there's this crossover effect where if you are working out one side of your body, that the other side that is injured is still receiving some benefit there. So from a scientific perspective, yes. And also just like I said, from that mindset perspective, so that you can still keep going in there and doing what you can with what you have Mm -hmm. available. Yeah. Well, I think short and sweet, you nailed it on that one. Yeah. Okay. So next, how to ensure you gain muscle and not fat in a surplus. Katie, I will throw that one to you to start. Well, whenever you're in a surplus, you will gain fat to some small degree. So the best way to minimize that fat rate gain and optimize your muscle growth, of course, is to uh, watch your protein first and foremost. And the easy target is like 0.8 to one grams of protein per pound of body weight when you are targeting muscle growth. That's not a number you need to hit day in and day out. Um, it's supportive in a lot of ways, but you can you can go lower than that. 
Uh, I think above that, it's it's hard for most people to wrap their head around, but even above that, it won't hurt you, but that's a nice range to target if you are really uh, working on muscle growth. Um, and then the surplus, I think it should be noted that the surplus is not a free-for-all. You should still be tracking. You should still be within 100 to 200 calories above your maintenance. So it's not just, uh, it's they used to call it a dirty bulk where yeah. you would just like get after whatever you wanted, eat whatever you wanted and, uh, and, and like hope and pray for the best. But then a lot of research has been done around that. And, and it's found that once people diet down from a dirty bulk, there's little to no muscle gain at all. Yeah. So I'll, yeah. Kim, I'll let you take, cause I feel like you're going to have a lot of insight on this too. Well, what you've said is spot on, Katie. I think really people do get the idea if, if they're in a surplus that it's going to be so many more calories and it's just not that much, just, you know, 200 calories, 250 calories, hundred calories. It's not, it's not an extreme amount. It's not like you should start adding, you know, a donut and some pizza and half a cake and like slather on the peanut butter. That's just way too many extra calories. And so really going at it methodically, just like you would if you were in a deficit and not like Katie said, having it be a free for all. And the other really big differentiator about whether you're going to gain fat or muscle is, are you strength training and are you strength training with intensity? Mm -hmm. So getting in the gym, it doesn't have to be, you know, six, seven days a week, four times a week, five times a week, somewhere in there and pushing yourself in the gym so that you are lifting heavy for you and pushing to that range where you are close to failure to maybe three, probably closer to two reps shy of failure. You know, and you can do some sets to failure, follow your training plan, but you know, a little bit of close of failure with, you know, bicep curls, triceps, those things, but otherwise really pushing the intensity, keeping it in that close to failure range, um, getting enough, you know, we still want to do things like optimize your sleep and, um, your recovery. We don't want to just be like, Oh, cause you're not in a deficit. You don't have to think about those things. You've got plenty of nutrition coming in because we want to use that nutrition to build your muscle. So still doing things like managing your stress, prioritizing your sleep, prioritizing, you know, working out and recovering from it. Um, that's what I'd add. Yeah. I love that. And I will add just one more thing. And from my experience, I don't see too many women getting into that, like, uh, the mindset of, oh, I can just eat anything and everything that I want because I'm in a surplus. So I've also heard it be called like a dreamer bulk and yeah, I've never heard that. Yeah. Like eat as much as you want, you know, it doesn't count. And yes, that's definitely not true, but I think women are a little bit more, I don't know if cognizant is the right word, but you know, they're just a little bit more aware. Maybe they don't want to gain as much body fat. So they're not, it's going to be like, okay, it's a complete free for all. So maybe there is just a little bit more moderation, but to that point, it can get a little bit sloppy very quickly, just like it does when people transition to maintenance and it, you know, a deficit going from a deficit to maintenance, you know, maybe it's 250, 300 calories ish, which you can eat back very quickly just with a couple of tablespoons of peanut butter. Right. Um, so to your point, I think you were saying, Kim, I don't, I don't remember which one it was to continue tracking, I think is very important. Um, so that you do have that awareness and you have some guardrails, so to speak, because when the bites, licks and taste start sneaking in, because I think that's where the mentality is like, 
oh, I'm in a surplus. So these calories really don't matter as much, right? Like I'm trying to build the muscle. I'm trying to put on a little bit of weight, but those calories can add up very quickly. And I also don't think that they come from low energy sources like broccoli and that kind of thing. You know, it's going to be the more calorie dense options. And then you don't even really realize how much you're taking in. Maybe you don't feel as full because of that. Um, so that's one thing to consider. And then to your point, Kim, yes, continue to train hard, but I will use myself as an example. So when I had to gain that 15 pounds a couple of years ago, I probably jumped up my calories. I would say by like 500 overnight. So that was a significant surplus for me. However, I was training harder than I ever had in my life. So that weight came on and it came on quick and it didn't matter how hard I was training because my surplus was so high. So yes, absolutely. Like you are going to be better able to partition the calories that you are taking in if you are training hard, but just keep in mind that there, um, there is a line that you don't want to cross when it comes to <clears throat> too much of an excess. Hmm. Since we're on this subject, one other thing I want to add, it's a little veering away from the question, but it kind of branching off of what Marcy had said. Um, one thing I have seen with women, even though they do make a decision that they are going to go into a slight surplus, really work on building muscle. They, um, kind of not, it is purposeful, but very like quietly in their brain are still trying to manipulate their weight to not move. Right. Cause they, mm. even though like they're saying, I'm going to get in a surplus, I'm going to build muscle. The scale should be going up. That's so hard for them that they start undercutting their calories to stay at maintenance. Have you guys seen this? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so it's really self-sabotaging your goal. If you're not going to reach that goal, if you keep like surreptitiously cutting back the calories because you just don't want to see the scale go up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, okay. So shall we move on? Yes. All right. Freaking COVID finally got me dealing with my post COVID ego in the gym. Now that I am back, I will start with this one because I recently experienced it and I, <laughs> Yes, I can completely relate to that. I was out of the gym for three weeks when all was said and done because leading up to me getting COVID, I was out of town. That's where I ended up picking it up. So I think I had taken off about five days leading up to it. And then the day that I was planning to go back to the gym is when I started to feel sick. And I was down for the count, like could have hardly get out of bed for a couple of days. And then once my, once the fever had come down and I was no longer testing positive, my energy was just zapped. Like it, it took a long time for me to come back from that. So I really wanted to give my body the opportunity to fully recover and not make things worse or like have a setback, which I know can be very challenging. So I just, I listened to it. And I think speaking from previous experience where I had had surgery a couple of years prior and did not even step foot in the gym for five weeks. I was like, okay, now I have the evidence that nothing bad is going to happen. So maybe my muscles deflated a little bit just because I wasn't using them. There wasn't as much glycogen in them, which is what makes them look feel, or excuse me, appear and 
feel a little bit firmer or more full. Uh, and I think I lost a little bit of strength, but really it takes a long time for you to lose muscle. Like you would have to be bedridden for weeks or even like a month on end where you're not moving at all, like not even going for walks to really start to lose some muscle. So maybe you're just losing those neural adaptations, um, from strength. If you haven't been training for a while, but they will come back very quickly. And let's say you do lose a little bit of muscle, same thing. You're going to get it right back. Um, once you start to be more consistent. So that was my experience after my surgery. And then the same has been true after COVID. So I was definitely a little bit weaker in the gym just because I was in a much more depleted state. I also had a really hard time eating for a while. So I didn't have those energy reserves. Um, but once I started eating again, once my energy came back, you know, it was like, I really hadn't missed a beat. Yeah. I've got a good bunch of my fitter after 40 members who either have COVID currently or had it recently. It's like really making a big comeback here. Uh-huh. Um, and we've been talking a lot about like, how do you get back to the gym and what to expect there? And I think one of the most important things for this question, um, I don't remember the name of the person who asked the question, but, um, is not comparing yourself right now to the, what you were doing in the gym before uh, you're going to get back there, but it's not going to do you any good to be bemoaning the fact that you can't lift the same number of uh, reps that you were with the same pounds right before, or that you can't do as many pushups right now because you just don't have that energy. Um, work to your best ability. Now push yourself in the gym, you know, as appropriate, um, and push yourself to what is hard to you now versus comparing what should have, what should be, you should be able to do like really get that should out of your mind. Mm-hmm. And also reframe it. So maybe I have lost a little bit of progress, but who's to say that I can't come back and end up being even better. Like, absolutely. Yeah. And you I'll know, carry on what you ladies said. Cause I agree. Comparison is going to be the killer. If, if you can, if you do that comparison to your, your former self or somebody else out there, but I'm going to offer some pra- a practical tip here. Um, and that is Maybe you don't, not maybe, definitely don't go back into the gym with the same schedule that you had pre-COVID. Reset the bar for yourself. If you were someone who went to the gym four or five or six days a week, go back into it targeting two or three days a week that first week. The next week, add another day if you're feeling good. It's really important to create some opportunities for small wins so you're not beating yourself up. Three days in the gym, the week after COVID, I don't even think I could have done that. So I, I don't, I, that might even be an aggressive goal, but the point is reset your expectation, adjust your standard, set yourself up for success, and then be gentle with yourself if it doesn't go exactly as planned, because as you lady said, you will get there. Yeah. 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 And I actually did that myself. I think when I first started back, it was like two days per week and I was just doing full body. And there were some days when I went in there and I tried to do what I had intended and I just couldn't, you know, so having to really check that ego, leave it at the door and just say, all right, this is where I am right now. I accept it, but it will get better. I just have to keep showing up and slowly by slowly, you know, it will return and it has, but I love what you said, Katie, because I also did not go right back into the style of training that I had done previously, which was you know, taking most sets to failure, intensity techniques, that kind of thing. Like that would have been one way too hard on my body and probably very mentally challenging as well. So yeah, it might take some time, but 
you know, it's in the grand scheme of your lifting career yeah. drop in the freaking bucket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And, and, you know, last thing I'll say about this, um, sometimes I think that people can actually benefit from that layoff. Like we all have seasons. It's okay. And if you're someone who has been pushing really hard in the gym for years, maybe with no deloads, no scheduled breaks, this could be really beneficial. And then you allow your body to rest, regenerate, and you can come back even stronger. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you call it good on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So next is ha, ah, this comes from Catherine loves to travel how to get back to working out when I'm so tired at the end of the workday and can't get up at 4 a.m. Oh, I feel you, Catherine. I wouldn't want to get up at 4 a.m. either. No. I, I can relate to this um, a little bit recently, and I, it's not so much the 4 a.m. piece, it's how to get back into working out when your life just shifts, when you haven't been doing it for whatever reason, call it whatever reason. Most of the summer, I didn't do a lot of strength work, Uh, I did a lot of hiking. I did a lot of cardio, just moving my body. It wasn't intentional. It was just lifestyle. And I really wasn't feeling strength training. And so I I kind of just leaned into that. Um, So I guess in a way that's, that's like small part one of of my advice is to say, if, if, if the idea of working out the way you're thinking about it in your mind sounds like misery to you, think of another way to work in some movement into your body that maybe isn't that one thing. So, you know, maybe it's mobility work, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's uh, uh, 15 minutes of hit on the bike because it's that short, that quick. Maybe you're someone who comes from a place where you feel like you have to spend an hour in the gym and you actually do not have to spend an hour in the gym. And this is what got me back into strength training again. I started doing some programming that I program myself, but now I'm in the gym six mornings a week for 20 to 25 minutes. And that's it. That's all it is. And it's, and I'm with my husband. It's super easy because I know I only need to do like five or six sets of one compound move and maybe one accessory move and I'm done. And it's mentally so easy because it's that quick. Mm. And the nice part about that for my body is I don't have to work on anything, but adaptation. There's no recovery required because I'm not doing like 40 sets in one session. So mentally it's good for me. Physically it's good for me. And as far as time it's, I mean, it is a box that's checked so easily, so quickly that I really don't have any excuses. And, and if I, even if I did have a reason I couldn't go in that day, I'm missing like one sixth of my total volume for the week and not like a third of the day. So I would say my suggestion is whatever your workout is, either break it down into something much smaller and maybe do it a little bit more often. That way it doesn't seem like such a big task when the time comes or just take some time to do something different altogether. That's good for your body in maybe a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good advice, Katie. This is one of those times where I wish we had this person on the line so I could coach them because I have a lot of questions. Like one, why is working out important to you? Like, what are your goals? What are you hoping to achieve with this? Why are you even interested in doing it? And that would be a good first step to guide you in figuring out like, okay, here's what's important to me. And okay, so that's why I want to do it. And then really looking at what is, what is the resistance? It sounds like it's that you're tired. So there's got to be some time in your week that we can find that you're not as tired. So where are those pockets of time? And what would be the very first step that you needed to take to get in the gym? And let's just have you focus on that. Maybe the first step is 
clearing out the spot in your basement that that's not there. Maybe the first step is um, when you get home from work, you're before you even leave work, you're going to put your gym clothes on so that when you walk in the door, that the resistance of like going into your bedroom and like sitting on the bed for a second and now you're 30 minutes into TikTok isn't there, right? So like mm-hmm. looking for what would be the first step to help you push past that resistance. And then I really like Katie's idea of just keeping it small and short. You don't have to go back into the gym day one and do a full workout. Um, you could go in and do an exercise. You could go in and do mobility. We want to get you back in that habit. And we want to have you identifying as a person who works out. How can we help you do that? Mm. Yeah, I love that. And from experience, I think oftentimes it's more so the thought of the workout than it actually is the workout in itself. So I talk about when it comes to motivation or lack thereof, you know, we've all heard the cliche saying that motivation is fleeting and it's fickle and it can't be relied upon. And like, yes, that is true. So you may not be motivated in the moment. Most days I'm not, especially because I've been going to the gym at 6 30, 7 o'clock at night for the past year, I would say, mm. just because my schedule has changed. And is it where I want to be? No, definitely not. But I have learned how to manage my mind and create thoughts that are going to allow me to overcome that resistance and basically cultivate the motivation for myself. And then if I'm still really not feeling it, my energy is low, I play a game with myself. And that's kind of to Katie's point where I give myself an out and I said, okay, all you have to do is go in there and do your warm up. And you, if you still feel awful, then you have the permission to leave and come back the next day. 10 times out of 10, I don't think it's ever happened where I have gotten through the warm up. I'm like, nope, still don't feel it. So then I take the next step. Okay, you're going to do your warm up sets of the first exercise. Same thing. If you don't feel good, you can leave. And then it's, I really just have the mantra of like, one, one rep, one set at a time. And it's really interesting that when you can piece it down like that and literally just take it one step, one set at a time, before you know it, you start to get that momentum, you get that energy going. And the next thing you know, the workout is done. So I'm not saying it has to be like the most intense and yeah, there have been times where I get through it, but I scaled it down a little bit. Um, or yes, reduce the sets, reduce the load, that kind of thing, but just do something to create that momentum and overcome the resistance. And Kim, to your lovely point, reconfirm to yourself that you are somebody who exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing that I would mention, because again, we don't have a lot of context as to what this person was doing previously, what those workouts looked like, but I have spoken to this on a previous podcast and it kind of goes to my point earlier about the cognitive load. And when my business was starting to increase, so I was not only doing in-person personal training, getting up at the crack of dawn, you know, being on my feet for hours, but also trying to Uh, start this online business and working with clients in that capacity, like I was just more cognitively overwhelmed and a little bit more physically tired. So at that point I was doing Jordan science workouts and I loved his programming, but the thought of going in there three or four times a week and doing five sets of five heavy back squats and deadlifts and bench presses was just too much for my brain. (laughs) And I think even my nervous system. So even though I enjoyed the workouts, I had to realize like at this time in my life, 
this is not the best approach for me anymore. So I switched to more of the like bodybuilding style, which was really, I think more in my wheelhouse anyway, and really what I enjoyed. And I looked forward to it more. And the workouts that I switched to was maybe one really hard set of an exercise rather than most sets are going to be like taken all out, which is what I was doing previously. And that was enough for me to just like feel better about it, enjoy it more and not have as much resistance to getting in there. That's great advice. Yeah. Well, we're almost at an hour. I know most of the time was spent talking about our personal lives and what's been going on, but Hey, sometimes people are here for the chatter, right? <laughs> so, so maybe we will, we'll call it there and we will finish off next week with the last couple of questions. Sounds good. Thanks everyone. Right. Thanks. Bye ladies. Bye. Bye.